0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Sharp Edge, a sports conversation for the sports betting world. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Featuring legendary handicapper Brandon Lang. How much that do may be for? And Scott Seidenberg.
1: The Sparto's, the Motorheads, Geeks, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
0: This is The Sharp Edge. Welcome into to The Sharp Edge alongside veteran handicapper Brandon Lang. Of course, the website, BrandonLang.com. I'm Scott Seidenbergen. We're in the second round of the NBA playoffs. It's been an interesting ride so far. Brandon, you've been at this game for, what, 27 years, I want to say. Have you ever seen a Game 7 In an NBA playoff game, like the last 25 or so seconds that we saw the other night.
1: Let me explain something to you. The rant that I'm about to go on right now is not because I had Denver minus six in game seven over the Spurs. The rant I'm about to go on right now isn't because they blew a 17-point lead in the third quarter when they should have blew... San Antonio out by 25. I'm not saying this because inevitably I lost with the Nuggets minus six over the Spurs in game seven. So let's just make sure we're clear on all those bases. Okay. If I'm going to lose the game, one of two things I want to happen. I want to get absolutely blown out where Makes I sense. was on the coast where I'm on the complete wrong side of the mm-hmm. game and I never had a shot in the game and I fucking suck and that was just a bad pick. I would rather have that. that, that's, that like okay? me,
0: that's like me tonight where I had the under nine in the Red Sox A's and it was 6-4 in the third inning.
1: There you go. So, so, so it's over. Don't got to worry about it. Life goes on. Or B, let me lose the game the right way.
0: Now, what's the, right what what's the right way? What's the right way?
1: So here's the right way. Denver blows the 17-point lead, and with 38 seconds to go, the Spurs are down four. They call timeout. They come out. DeRozan drives the lane. His shot gets blocked. Nuggets get the rebound. And with twenty, then the shot clock resets. The 24-shot clock resets. And there's 25.8 seconds to go in the game, and the Spurs are down four. Now, I once saw in 1995 Reggie Miller score eight points in nine seconds to beat the Knicks in a playoff game. Yes. So 25.8 seconds in an NBA game could very well be three minutes with what goes on Mm -hmm. in the complete – cycle of nba games the boston celtics were down three with 54 seconds to go against the indiana pacers in game two and they covered the seven and a half winning by eight in those last 52 seconds so now that i have that out on the table now let's go back 25.8 you're down four you just have your shot blocked and denver has the ball what should happen at that point right there?
0: 25. So they can't. I, I, you have, want to, I want to say have, foul. I want to say You have foul, to. but You have but to. I, I think you
1: have but to. But what?
0: No, no, but but because there's still a chance that the shot clock can run out and you get the ball back. I understand.
1: With 1.8, wow. hold on, 1.8 seconds down, four. There's no four point plays in the NBA. You Once, have to extend you, the game.
0: You got to get if you get fouled on a three-pointer, it's a four-point play. But I okay, think, is I think, Denver really going to no, foul no, no, with no. one point one you, second to but go? But what you have to do there is you go for the steal first. You play defense for like ten seconds. You try okay. to trap. Once you okay. don't do that, then you foul okay. with about fifteen seconds left.
1: Okay, there you go. Now, now you are at least thinking the way things should go. Now, as Denver dribbles over the half-court line you see Popovich on the sideline waving his hands forward like for his players to to go foul. And Rudy Gay, DeRozan, Aldred, Forbes, and White all just stand there. 25.8 becomes 21, becomes 15, becomes 11, becomes 9, becomes 7, becomes 4, at which point Jamal Murray says, well, If you're not going to foul me, I'll just jack up a three right as the shot clock expires. It goes three quarters of the way in and spins out. The Spurs get the rebound with 1.1 second to go, and the game's over. Clock runs out. You have a Hall of Fame coach who has won multiple championships standing on the sideline. Let's say Craig Popovich goes out of his mind and says foul, and you get a foul immediately after the rebound is secured with 25.8, and you get a foul on Jokic, their big man, who blocked the shot. He goes to the line, they're up four, and there's 25.8 on the clock. Let's say he makes one of two. Now you're down five. Now you come down. Now you get a quick layup because they're not going to foul. Now you're down three with 19 seconds to go. Now you foul. Now maybe you get two missed free throws. Maybe you get one of two. Maybe you get two. Who knows? But at least you got 21 seconds on the clock. And you're either down, what, five, four, or three. Whatever the case may be, you've extended the game. And to watch Greg Popovich, who says in the press conference after the game, I guess they didn't hear me. Really? Hmm. That that's your river card. You are a coach with championship pedigree that demands, I do mean demands the utmost basketball IQ from your players. And that's the river card. You piece of shit, you suck. You were the most overrated garbage coach in the history of the NBA, and if not for Tim Duncan, Or David Robinson, you don't have one NBA championship. Let's make sure we're clear on that. So you can go to all your restaurants and buy your bottles of wine and a nice ESPN article about the Spurs dinners and how's it brings. How much did that dinner do you when you got five guys on the basketball court, Rudy Gay, DeRozan, Aldridge, Forbes, and White? who collectively basketball, I do I really need my coach on the sideline to tell me I'm down two scores with 25 seconds to go? I think we need to foul here and extend the game that we're all going to drop back and look off into the ceiling and go, oh my God, what do we do? We don't know what we're doing. That was arguably one of the worst displays of basketball coaching in the playoffs that I've ever seen. You're in a game seven playing for your life you've battled back from 17 down you got it to four you got a foul with 25.8 to go who knows what happens from that standpoint Like I said, Reggie Miller scored eight points in nine seconds to beat the Knicks. Crazy stuff happens in NBA games at the end of the year, and you have a young Denver team that blew a 17-point lead in the third quarter that's obviously nervous. You have a center that went one of 14 from the floor, his last 15 shots, and you're telling me you're not going to want to extend the game. You know what's amazing?
0: Don't we see it all the time in college basketball? Like when you watch March Madness, these kids are shooting sometimes 12 to 15 free throws in the final seconds of a game. And in the NBA playoffs, it's like they're so accepting of the loss because it's a seven game series. But this is game seven. Yep. There's no excuse to not foul there, but it's it is it is true. We don't see it in the NBA playoffs. We don't see those fouls at the end of the game, just hoping for a miracle that you can get the ball with one second left, down three, with a chance to chuck up a hail mary and tie the game. We never see that in the NBA playoffs. There's no fouling at the end of a game. It's just okay. We lost. Nice game, guys. Who's who's buying dinner tonight?
1: Yep. I told you. I've said for years and people may think that I'm out of my mind when I've said this, but I've always said Greg Popovich is one of the most overrated coaches in the history of the NBA. And if not for Tim Duncan, he wouldn't have one NBA championship. And I'll go one step further. If not for Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, would not have won NBA championship. Pop quiz. What was Michael Jordan's playoff record? His his series playoff record. Not not individual games, but playoff series record before Scottie Pippen. I heard this on the radio today and I was like, wow, before Scottie Pippen, what wanna, was Michael uh, Jordan's playoff record?
0: I wanna oh. say maybe oh and three? They I mean they lost in the first round I know at least twice did they win? Did they did they
1: one and nine? One and nine. Wow. One and nine. One and nine before Scottie Pippen. That's and I amazing. heard Colin Cowherd today while I was heading to Louisville, Kentucky, I heard Colin Cowherd say on air everyone needs a bona fide two. Yes. Well, I've said this for
0: years. I've said that for yep. years. I remember going. On, I remember defending LeBron James, right, a- and talking about how you know everybody. No one can win alone, right? Not even the greatest player. Not even Jordan could win alone. No one could win alone. I wrote an article, okay, and this. Oh my God! How many years I'm going back? I'm actually going to pull up this article here because it was so good. Uh, I can't wait to. I can't wait to, to t- tell you about this. This was when the Knicks had Carmelo Anthony, right? And Carmelo Anthony, for as great as he was as a scorer, one of the best scorers all time in NBA history. People don't give him enough credit. He's a Hall of Famer because of all of his accomplishments. Remember, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And you count in his Team USA gold medals, his national championship at Syracuse. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's a Basketball Hall of Famer. But he got so much crap for not being able to win with the Knicks and not being able to win with the Nuggets. And people forget that the only time that Carmelo Anthony had success is when he went to the Western Conference Finals with the Nuggets when he was playing with a then-elite Chauncey Billups. Now, I was saying, that, and then he had the one success with the Knicks, the 54-win season, when they had Jason Kidd, Amari Stoudemire. They had help. J.R. Smith was playing well. Nobody wins alone. And I wrote an article called Kevin Durant and the Mellow Treatment, May 16th of 2013. That's when I wrote this article, Brandon. And it was after Russell Westbrook got hurt. Remember Patrick Beverly? They collided knees. and Russell yes. And Westbrook was out for the remainder of the playoffs? Yes. Now, Kevin Durant could not lead the Thunder further into the NBA playoffs. But Kevin Durant got heralded as a hero. Look at this guy putting the team on his back. He's doing it by himself. And, oh, man, he can't do it without a number two. Let's just cut him some slack. But when it's Carmelo Anthony, everyone gives him crap and says, dude, you're supposed to be one of the elite players in the NBA. You should be able to do it by yourself. Carmelo never had a number two. And anytime somebody else doesn't have a number two, they never got the crap that Melo got. This is a long way of me saying that for years I've been detailing how nobody in history wins by themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why Russell Westbrook's struggling. You know, it's it's he can't he can't it didn't work for him in in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant. And Kobe needed Shaq. Now, both went on to win championships without the other. Give Kobe credit. He really didn't have a big number with two other than maybe.
0: But Kobe, no, Pau Gasol. Kobe didn't win again until the right. Lakers brought in Pau Gasol.
1: Pau Gasol and Shaq had Dwayne Wade. Dwayne and
0: Shaq. And Shaq, uh, well, Shaq, ro- yeah, Shaq rode Dwayne Wade to that championship.
1: Yep. Tim Duncan had Tony Parker. Um, there's been no have, there, there's and, been no
0: team, and I'll tell you this: if you go back in the history of NBA champions, the only team that you could say that didn't have a one and a two, right, or even like a bona fide superstar, you can say is maybe the Pistons of the you know the the 2004 Pistons, but they had that, that was a collective of a bunch of stars. We're talking about Billups and Wallace, right, and Sheed. I mean, that team was ridiculous. But even even that Mavericks team that beat the Heat. You had Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne, and, and Jason Kidd on that yep. team. Yep. Nobody does it alone. I, I agree yep. with that.
1: And, and so that's, that's why, my...
0: look at James Harden. James Harden without Chris Paul is not the same James Harden. Chris Paul nope. makes James Harden better.
1: Nope, and that goes into game two tomorrow night between the the Warriors and the Rockets. And, and I don't know what to make of, of that game, too. I had the Rockets on Sunday plus the the five and a half Me and got too. a little nervous, got a little nervous there when, when Paul got the technical and, and then with 4.4 4 seconds ago, you're thinking, okay, now it's a four point game. Here comes the foul. And they just kind of let the clock run out. And I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. So I'm inclined, you know, I, I said to myself, if a number comes out higher than the five and a half from game one, I would be inclined to take the Warriors. But if the number comes out the same as it did in game one, I would be inclined to take the underdog again. And, and that's my lean. Um, on the other side of the ledger, you know, you look at you, you look at Boston and what they did.
0: I, 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 had, I, I had them plus the points in game one. I can't believe that game two is still the same. It's seven and a half. I can't yeah, believe that.
1: It's, it's too many. I, you know, Brad Stevens did a great job of saying, here's what we're going to do. And, and that goes right into what I said to you about having a one and having a two. If the Greek freaks, your one Middleton's your two. Mm. And Brad Stevens did a great job of taking the Greek out of the game and saying, okay, let's let Middleton and everybody else beat us. Well, Boston's so sound defensively that your two, three, four is not going to beat them. You know? And, and well, who does Boston have? listen, You got Kyrie Irvin. People don't realize how good Al Horford is. Al Horford has never got the credit he deserved. Back-to-back national championships with Florida. Noah got the pub, but Horford was the player. Obviously, who's still in the NBA right now? Uh Horford is. Noah's gone. Everybody's gone. The only guy with staying power is Al Horford. That's how good Al Horford is. So I agree with you. I think both dogs are probably the way to go uh, tomorrow night. Um, from a series standpoint. Um, Dude, do you, see the,
0: do, you, do you see that? Like, Boston, you can, you're still getting plus money to bet them yeah. for the series? They're up take one em. game to none, and they yep, stole take home em. court.
1: Yep, take them. Take them take big time, because Milwaukee can't beat them. They, here's the thing. Milwaukee lives and dies with a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irvin versus Drew Bledsoe. If Milwaukee's going to beat Boston, They need 20-plus from the Greek Freak, and they need 20-plus from Bledsoe. The reserve players aren't good enough to beat the Boston Celtics when they're healthy. Hayward's playing great. Tatum's playing great. Jalen Brown's playing great. Rozier's playing great. The X Factor, Horford and Kyrie, jump all over Boston, Boston series. I would take them plus the points. I believe both dogs are on the right side of the game tomorrow night.
0: I, I would agree with you. And, look, I don't recommend teasing basketball games. Uh, I think that that's a losing proposition. You know, it just, I mean, it worked out yesterday. Um, I, I, I don't recommend it all the time, but it's kind of hard to look at these two dogs who I love straight up. And think that if I pushed it five points in my favor, it would be a, a feasible thing. But, you know, listen, if you're if you willing to lose the juice, go ahead. If you're not willing to lose the juice, just bet it straight. Because I, I think both dogs come through and actually win these games. I think Boston goes up 2-0. And I think Houston evens up that series of the game apiece.
1: I agree. Yep. I agree. Um,
0: I, I wanted to move on from the NBA real quick, though, Brandon. Yep. In just a couple minutes. When you look at baseball, which is I'm, – I'm going through this run right now where I do one play of the day every day for the season, right? And I'm cu- trying to keep track of my units, see how I do every day. Right now, I'm 20 and 12 Twenty twelve and one so, Look at
1: you. Look at you.
0: You know, this might – you know, I'm only up, you know, seven units, you know, because I'm only, you know, doing one unit a game, and, and you lose, you lose a favorite, you lose 1.5. It happens. Tonight, I had the under nine in the Red Sox-A's game, and it was – 6-4 in the third inning, so what, what do I know? But when I – people always ask me what my process is when touting baseball and, and, when, and when trying to cap it. And when I look at baseball, obviously I'm looking at the starting pitching. Obviously I'm looking at the the, the trends and the stats with these teams and ballpark weather. People don't realize how important ballpark weather is. Uh, I remember last week the wind at, at Wrigley Field was blowing in – from the bleachers at 20 miles per hour. If you watch in the game, the pitcher's pants is waving in the wind, and the total was 7.5. I hammered the under, and it came in. Of course it came in. Nobody could hit the ball in that wind. There was no home runs in that game. But what I like to do, and I want to find out from you if how you sort of cap a baseball game, is I look for where the line is is being made incorrectly because of name bias or recency bias. For instance, the Red Sox being favored against the Rays uh, the other day, they had no business. Chris Sale sucks this year. His ERA yep. is through the roof. The Rays have been one of the hottest teams in baseball with Tyler Glass now on the Hill, who was 4 0 with a, what, three ERA? The kid has been a stud. This season, yet the Red Sox a one point five three. This was I even tweeted this out. You can follow me at Scott's On Air. There's my shameless plug. I said someone's got to help me out here. Tyler Glass now four and zero with a one five three ERA. Chris Sale old for four with a seven four four ERA. No J D Martinez in the lineup because of a back issue. Yet the Red Sox are minus one fifty two and the Rays are plus one forty two. How do you not hammer the Rays? What happens? The Rays win, of course. So I look for where the lines are wrong based off maybe they just think it's Chris Sale and the Red Sox so people bet on them. How, how do you look at a baseball game from a capping perspective and try to find any edge that you can?
1: A lot of long, same lines to what you're talking about. Um, you know, I, I, I more or less look at my starting pitchers and look who's, who's pitching well. Knowing Major League Baseball starters the way that I do, having cultivated relationships with them, For my best friend Tommy, who represents uh, a a number of starters in in, in the in in the Major League Baseball, and having spent time golfing with them and and spent time around them, Um, starting pitchers in in Major League Baseball, you pitch once every five days. You get in a rhythm. Things are going well. There's certain stadiums you pitch well, and there's certain mounds that you like. Um, As crazy as that sounds, some I'll use perfect example: Um, John Neese, who who got injured. With the Mets, yeah, I who's, now, who, yep, who's now uh, worked his way back to health. And John is now signing a minor league deal with the Seattle Mariners. He's at Triple A Tacoma right now, working his way back, pitching the World Series. John's become one of my very dear friends. And John would always tell me um, if I ever pitch in Philadelphia, um, I love that park. I love that mound. Mm-hmm. And there are certain mounds that John liked. And, and John says certain parks I pitch well in. Certain parks I don't pitch well in. And so you, you you look for that. You look for a guy's success on the road in certain teams, in certain situations. They're just comfortable, whether it's the hotel they stay in that city or the, the restaurants they eat at or whatever it is. It, you, you learn to ride that. You learn to read between the lines. I'm, I'm more of an intangible Person looking for the intangible like rather that. than tangible, so, so because like, so let's
0: say so. Let's say a team plays extra innings
1: the, <clears throat> uh, on
0: getaway day. They play in extra innings and then they have to travel and they play a day game or something the next day. That's an intangible that that you won't read in the stat sheet. That this team got in at three o'clock in the morning and they had to be at the ballpark at nine a.m. They they probably didn't sleep well. Or a pitcher gets pushed back a day, so now he gets a 6th day instead of a 5th day which throws off his rhythm a little bit. That might be something to take advantage of.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and again, you you learn this over time. You, you learn... Um, I've said this for years. If you're looking at a 160 favorite that you just can't get off of, don't risk betting any favorite more than 150. Bet the and risk line. the Yeah, and, and risk the unit and a half And in lay 160, which is like losing two units, where if you run line it, create it, take a 160 favorite to a plus 120 dog, at least if you lose, you're losing one unit rather than one and a half. Now that may not sound much, that may not really like over the course of 162 game schedule, or if you release 60 baseball plays, that half unit you're saving becomes critical. And most of the time, If you like a 160 favorite and you run line it to create a dog line in your favor, most of the time, if you win that game, that favorite is going to win by two runs or more. It's worth the risk creating the dog price and not risking two units to win one when you're actually, you may get plus one and a half with the dog on the run line. Most of your big favorites are going to get it done on the run line, but it's just good value not laying the 160.
0: I love that. And I tell people that all the time. I was a guest on another gambling podcast. And I said that was my exact theory, because when you lose a 1.5 or a 1.6, you got to win twice now just to basically break even. Whereas if you lose a one and you win a one, you're you're breaking even on two games instead of needing two to one to break even. Or, I mean, who knows how, how high a favorite you're going. Sometimes you might need a three to one just to break even. Why would you want to give yourself that amount of pressure? You want to win one and lose one and break even or come as close to it as possible. That's where you find intrinsic value.
1: Well, let me tell you this. It's going to be the dog days of baseball coming up in the NBA playoffs or or final June 20th. And we'll, we'll have our baseball podcast throughout the summer. Um, I look for that kind of value. And um, I'll tell you this. Once the NBA playoffs are over, there there is some money made in baseball. Now, lastly, before we end the podcast, have you been following this guy Sauer, on
0: Jeopardy? Yes, he's my boy's old roommate.
1: Oh my, my god, my
0: boy, my boy Mike Katz. I'll give him a shout out here. He's a you know, former professional poker player. Uh, that's his. That's his old roommate. That's his boy. I've been following him. Old, room-
1: yeah. old roommate from where?
0: They lived in uh, L.A. and Vegas.
1: Really? Yeah. What were they?
0: What were they doing as roommates? I mean, there they was, like, five professional gamblers. They all lived together in, like, a big house.
1: In L.A. and Vegas.
0: Yeah, they, yeah. Like, real famous, like, poker players. Like, some of the top World Series poker players in the world.
1: Yeah, you know, I said guys. this before. Holshouser's not the kind of guy that I'm going to walk up to and say, yo, Holshouser, I got an eight ball of Coke. Spirit <laughs> Rhino. Listen, I got an eight ball of Coke. We're going to Spirit Rhino. I got some ecstasy, too. We're going to bring a couple of bitches home, and we're going to take it deep. He's not the guy I'm taking into the champagne room. That's for damn sure. You can watch this guy on, on, on Jeopardy and know that the hottest girl in the world, if she's given him a blowjob, has never slid a pinky up his ass. So I'm just saying that there's no way on the face of the planet Earth this guy has gone there. Doesn't make you a bad person if you have. Prostate needs a little love every now and then, but you can look at this guy. Go no way, but Monday night on Jeopardy, he won by 18 dollars to keep the streak alive. Uh, and you know, he's gonna pass that.
0: So, that guy Ken Jennings won his record in like 74 shows. This he's gonna pass him in like 30 something.
1: Well, he's had a little, little slow run here the last few days. He's at 1.3, Jennings won 2.5, and like you said, uh, he, he's due to surpass him at 34 games, but this guy. Uh, Levin, a 46 year old sports person for an athletic department at the University of Waltham, Massachusetts, um, trailed him by 6,517. So you go into Final Jeopardy. You trail him by 6,517. Holshouser wagered 20,500. Levin wagered 26,999. 9, 9. They both had the right answer, and Levin loses by $18. How sick! Is Levin that he didn't just say, I'm gonna bet it all mm-hmm. and I'm gonna take this guy down, and instead he doesn't? It's and the he highest,
0: loses. it's the highest non winning total in Jeopardy history. The
1: moral to the story of why I'm ending the podcast with this statement Levin had a chance to be a god, he instead. He had a chance not to be the guy in the PG-13 movie everybody's rooting for. He needed to be the guy in the rated R movie that you're not so sure about. He had a stripper at the Rhino who had Coke and X that was inviting her back to her hotel suite for free to bang him. And what did he do? He said, no, I got to go get to bed. And he didn't wager the full load. Mr. Levin you got to live with that the rest of your life. Moral of the story out there, kids and people in podcast land when you got a chance to take it deep, you got to take it deep because you never know when you'll have a chance to take it deep again.
0: What's the Sean Connery line? Uh, lo- losers always whine about doing their best, winners go home with the prom queen, right? Is that, the, That's is that it. the line from the rock?
1: And if you yep and listen, the Prom Queen if you listen to Prom Queen, they all love it. they all love Anal. They all love <laughs> oh, Anal. <God. laughs>
0: On that note, he is Brandon Lang. Check him out, Brandon Lang.com. <laughs> I'm Scott Seidenberg. Always on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is the Sharp Edge Sports Betting podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Do not,
1: do not edit this out. I will i I'll punch you when I see you. Let explicit it rock. Explicit 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 lyric warning, people. You said it. I we'll did say back. the F I said the F-word once. You, <laughs> we'll you, you gave back. me certain you gave me certain <laughs> guidelines. I only said the F word once. I said anal a couple times, but you didn't say anything about that. So I think you you (laughs) need to let this fly. That's it. Uh, enjoy Enjoy the episode. We'll be back next week. See you, buddy.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.